We want to hear from you right now. Text us at 918-262-5072. I haven't missed anything. West Virginia has a fired Neil Neil Brown, have they? I didn't see anything okay. about it. Because I just saw this post here a few moments ago because Matt Rule is trending. So, yeah, it's safe to assume. Right. No, I guess they haven't because <laughs> in these list of odds, Neil Brown is still um, plus 500 to be the head coach of West Virginia. So... They've got several names on here. Listen, I don't know how to tell whoever came up with the odds here, but um, there is not a chance in hell, a chance in hell, right, that <laughs> you would have Luke Fickle leaving Cincinnati to be the head coach at West Virginia. Yeah. But no. Do you remember when Notre Dame was open last year? No. <laughs> that's not happening. That's not happening at all. Now, Hugh Freeze... Mm, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I don't hate it either. I hate anything Hugh Freeze does. I know, but I don't know. Matt, it'd be really tough for me. Like if I had to go with a who do you hate more, Hugh Freeze or row your boat in Minnesota, boy, they might be up there. Row your boat. And for very for different reasons. I hate everything from his dumb row the boat saying to that dumb tie he wears on the sidelines. I don't know why he drives me insane. But Hugh Freeze at plus 350 to be the new head coach at West Virginia. All right, uh, let's hit up the Oklahoma Ford dealers hotline and welcome in Eli Letterman, who joins us now, covers the Oklahoma Sooners from the Tulsa world. What's up, Eli? How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty well. P.J. Fleck just catching strays on a Wednesday afternoon. Listen. What did he do? That. I he just annoys me. Do you ever have those people and you can't say me? Um, do you ever have those people that just annoy you that you can look and see? And I know that he has people, they called him the Pied Piper for a period of time. And he's done a good job at Minnesota. I'm not saying that he's not a good coach, but every time his he opens his mouth, I just hear the fake and phoniness that's pouring out of it. That's how, always how I felt about PJ Fleck. I was going to make a Matt Hubbard joke about the, those people you just can't explain they annoy you, but no, I'm kidding. Oh, uh, no, I'll let you make that one. You just can't make that one about me. But go ahead if you got one no, about Matt. No, no, no. But I do think, I mean, PJ, I don't know if PJ Fleck and Hugh Freeze are in the same class in terms of just kind of vile college football coaches. <laughs> Um, but, I, hey, I'm with you. You, you look across. I, I find them in basketball is where I tend to find uh, the coaches who can't really describe why, but you just are bothered by them. I'll say this. Jamie Dixon bothered me for years. But then having <laughs> spoken a few times, he's a delightful guy. And so maybe that's the lesson learned here is that you watch these guys in March Madness or on a college football sideline, you have one idea, uh, but in person they're different because I've enjoyed my conversations with Jamie Dixon. Jamie Dixon never bothered me. I'm not ashamed to admit Bruce Pearl still bothers me. Hmm. He just does. I think he's a really good coach, but for some reason, he bothers me. I think it's because he's overly confident guy with his shirt off 
Like when they show him at football games, I'm just like, bro, what are you doing? You want to be that confident. That's why you don't like it. It's him. not even that I want to be that confident. It's just like, come on, man. A sweaty <laughs> Bruce Pearl with orange paint dripping off of his chest like all over all over you. It's like, ask Eric Bailey the next time you see him about when he covered a game at Cameron. And uh, I, I believe they're so close to the Cameron crazies there that, and it gets really hot there at Cameron Indoor, oh, no. that I think Eric Bailey uh, made a reference at one time to uh, having blue paint from someone that had painted their chest like drip over his shoulder or on his shoulder, right? Because it was so sweaty inside of Cameron. So I just, I have those visuals sometimes that pop up like with guys like Bruce Pearl. It also doesn't help that he's super hairy too. So the paint's not going to stick. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That is right. All right. Let's uh, focus on the Sooners here for Bedlam, shall we? What, um, I, I don't know whether like the, maybe I'm reading far too much into this. Eli, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I don't want to say the overall mood shifted and the tone shifted from Brent Venables because he was still very complimentary, but I think I heard a lot more of what came across as we've done a lot that we can do as coaches. Now it's kind of up to you guys. We heard the get pissed quote, but I also felt like I heard a little bit more of it's time for you kind of to figure it out as well. Was how far off am I on that in a takeaway from listening to Brent Venables after the game in Morgantown? Yeah, it was, it was probably a different tone from Brent Venables, and I'm, not that I think this coaching staff is backing off in any way, but I think it was. This is a different call to action um, for a lot of this season. It's just been about you know we're we're just making those little mistakes. We got to go work on them. But after West Virginia. It was. It sounded like maybe a slightly more resigned Brent Venable to, to just what this situation is, and and a, uh, his you know he, he had that quote. You know, it's one thing to keep saying we've got to work on these things. We're going to coach them up. We're going to work on them. But we got to get pissed. And, and he meant that about everybody. I think in that room, coaches, players, etc. And and so I think that was that was a slight tone change there. I, I think after Baylor, he he really felt like that was a game. You know, they were in and one little thing here or there. But I, I think the West Virginia loss with a new kind of level of frustration. And then you probably heard a bit of it from Brent Venables after that, but I'll say this, he came in yesterday um, and probably had one of his peachiest uh, press conferences of, of the season, 60 minutes, no opening statement, uh, told some good bedlam stories. And, uh, and so it was a, a slightly different tone from the you know moments after he stepped out of the rain in West Virginia, but um, it's now sort of, you know, here we are again, we're, we're 10 games into the <laughs> and talking about a lot of the same stuff in terms of the mistakes they're making. And uh, there's only so much longer you can say we, we can keep working on these things because they're going to run out of time. Yeah, I'm waiting for him to bust out the we are who we are at this moment. Because you're right. We've been talking about the exact same mistakes. Hardly any of them have gotten cleaned up. I think you've had individual performances that have gotten better. Uh, and maybe we'll see a little bit more because it looks like they're going to have a couple of guys that are back. But... Here we are, and I, I tweeted this on Saturday. I don't think that there's been a truer statement from a head coach so far this year than when, when Brent Venable said we could win the rest of the games or we could lose the rest of the games because find me a more truthful statement in college football this year because I can't find one. It is perfectly factual. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think, you know, I think that kind of we are who we are thing. I think we know who these Sooners are at this point, and yep. I think uh, they've still got time. They've got two more games to to you know, get just bowl qualified. I, I think that would have been a 
a lofty conversation we've been having back in August. You probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have believed me if we were at this point. But I think, you know, for, for better or worse, this is who the Sooners are. They're, they're going to struggle to stop the run. The offense uh, can have its, its moments. It also has moments where it can undercut itself. Um, and I think we know their limitations. And so now we we see them go face in these next two weeks two other teams with significant limitations of their own. Oklahoma State and Texas Tech have, have been far from perfect as well. Uh, and we see if they can, at, at the very least, you know, get themselves into December where they get those 15 extra bowl practices that honestly would be more beneficial to them than, than the bowl game. It's, it's just getting that extra time with the guys who are going to be here next year and this new coaching staff. That would be the critical end of making a bowl game on top of, I guess, the, you know, the perception of, of missing one and breaking that 23-year bowl streak. But they, they've got two weeks to do it. But I, I do think we kind of have a – I don't think we have to keep guessing as, as to what this team is right now. So when the head coach takes on a uh, tone like that, uh, what has kind of the response been from the players? Like, what's the overall feeling from them at this point of being five and five? I know most of them are hopeful, but you also have a coach that's basically saying, like, "Hey, man, I really need you to get angry. I really need you to get pissed if we want to go to a bowl game this year." I think you know a lot of that same frustration on down to the to the players. I mean, Drake Stoops, and especially the veteran guys, because I, I think they're the ones. We know who have been here for a lot of good. I mean, there's guys who've won Big 12 titles who, who've been in playoff contention and played in playoff games. Uh, they're not there right now, and and I think those guys are, are are certainly frustrated. But I think you know the fact is, no one's going out there trying trying to have these results, making these mistakes. So there's also just you know frustration at why 10 games in, a lot of this stuff is still cropping up. And then the younger guys talking to Javante Barnes on on Monday night. You know, for him, he's got a lot in front of him, and he's talking about just learning as much as he can and learning from the older guys, taking their, their example and, and going by it and listening to this coaching staff right now. So I, I think that's all they can do. And I think, you know, it's five and five and, and you can have a lot of issues with, with what's gone on in, in some of these big 12 games. But the fact is, I, I think this is still a coaching staff that, that is going to get this right. And, and these are just those growing pains and part of the process. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll kind of reiterate, I think getting to a bowl game is less about, where they go and who they play, and even less about that bowl streak. I mean, that's nice, but if in, in terms of getting this this train on the track, those 15 practices in December would be pretty critical for, for this group. It seemed like, as uh, Eli Letterman joins us here on the Police 1170 via the Oklahoma Fort Dealers hotline, like the, the difference between the uh, Gundy press conference uh, compared to the uh, Brent Venables press conference where um, Gundy Gundy knows that this is a a big game, but he tries to downplay it a little bit and talk about how maybe the kids aren't the same anymore with the same amount of hate. But from the Oklahoma perspective on this, you just talked about some of the younger guys and then the vets and how they feel about this. I'll just focus on Dylan Gabriel for a moment. You know that this one means a lot to him because he didn't get to play in the Red River game, right? This is a this is the, one of the other rivalry games that's that's on this. And he doesn't like not playing in any game at all. He even said, hey, it's just not a great feeling. But it's he understands the significance, I think, of just the Bedlam game uh, from the Oklahoma perspective, at least from his comments. Yeah, I think, you know, there, there may be something to the idea that, you know, I, I wouldn't know this. I wasn't around back in the day that the kids don't appreciate it like they, they used to. I, I think a lot of that is still there. I think in Norman this week, it, it's, it's kind of hard to – 
to start, you know, not even talking trash, but just talking about, you know, how big a game this is and uh, or, or making this game about a rivalry when, when right now OU is just struggling to, to get wins. A lot of the talk this week was about, you know, every game's important because the fact is they are. They, they don't have that luxury. This is not bedlam of years past where, where in large part OU goes in and it's, and it's OSU coming in to just ruin their season. Uh, they're in a different place right now. So that was the tone. But Dylan Gabriel, you're exactly right. I mean, he missed out on, on pro, you know, the biggest the game he might have circled on his uh, calendar when he transferred to OU against Texas earlier this year. And so this is that opportunity. And it's also worth noting, you know, the last three weeks, 148 passing yards against Baylor, 261 with three interceptions, 190 yards, no touchdowns against West Virginia. He hasn't quite been what this offense needs him to be of late. And, and so that presents him with a big opportunity in, in probably the biggest game. Certainly he's ever played in front of a home crowd. That Texas one would have been neutral site, but this is the biggest game uh, he'll have ever played, probably the biggest crowd, I would bet. Um, so it's an opportunity for him, and you know he, he strikes you as the kind of guy who, who, who's poised to seize a moment like this, but he's also coming off a string of you know just so-so performances. So-so is correct. Um, there are a couple things, I think, that are still kind of lingering for me from the West Virginia game. One, the third down conversion rate was horrific. Uh, we we talked about on Monday about the decision whether or not to kick the field goal uh, that ultimately hits the upright, and that's one of those decisions that's not great either way. It's not like that you had done a whole lot offensively, right, to even attempt to try to go for it from there. Uh, so you went with what you felt like was it was a better strength. But where where's the disconnect been? Because Eli, it seems like either it's Dylan Gabriel kind of sailing some passes, it's Marvin Mims dropping wide open. Uh, opportunities. It's just everything adding up this season. They've had some of the most inopportune mistakes uh, or biggest mistakes at the most inopportune times that I can remember from just an offense that when you see them operate the way that they can, we've had moments where they've been really good. This this last couple of games has just been a head scratcher for, for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I'd imagine the same things that are frustrating fans at home or in the stands or what is frustrating Jeff Levy, Brent Venables, Dylan Gabriel, and, and everyone after that, because they've, you know, whether you want to point to the, the conversion rates or drop passes or the, the pre-snap penalties, the penalties on offense, they've done a really good job of, of kind of shooting themselves in the foot um, at, at different points. I mean, they, the, the touchdown come off the board on the pass interference, the offensive pass interference at West Virginia, that, that would have changed things. They're getting into the right places. And, and at, even at times, as was shown there, you know, calling the right plays, but just not executing at the level they need to. And that kind of gets to the point, though, that, you know, these are issues we were talking about in week four. Yeah. And they're still cropping up. And, you know, I don't know that at least, you know, at the podium, we're not getting the explanation beyond, you know, we just got to keep working. Um, but I, I think that is, is sort of the indictment of the offense to this point. They've been the more, they've been the better unit, offense versus defense for the Sooners. This offense has largely delivered, but you look at games like, the last two, Baylor and West Virginia, both uh, three-point losses uh, and small little things on offense that's tripping them up um, have, have been difference makers in those games. And specifically on that that call to kick and the ball goes off the upright rather than go for it on fourth down, all of last week after the Baylor game, Jeff Levy and them, they talked about how the decision-making in those spots is usually informed by what they'd done earlier in the game, their confidence. Um, and shoot, there you go. They hadn't done anything all game. And I think Brent Venable said afterward, you know, he didn't think they were just going to magically come up with something that, that would allow them to convert that they hadn't been thinking of already. 
And so that goes into it. So when you're watching them in, in the first and second quarter and what they're doing, maybe when they're being aggressive, third down or, or fourth, that's going to inform what goes on later in the game. And, and right now they're not converting like they need to. I'll reset here for a moment and allow Eli an opportunity to check that text message that he got. Heard it going off right there. Uh, as Eli Letterman joins us from the Tulsa world here on the Blitz 1170, we're going to recap some of the uh, Bedlam games uh, from the past coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, where does this game kind of hinge to you, Eli, between these two teams? I'm sorry. You said put up P.J. Fleck. And he looks like he's ready to launch the next crypto that's going to go under six months later. <laughs> that's, that's correct. He does, yes. <laughs> he's got loafers with no socks, which is a look I can get behind. He's got the shorter pants, but they're I mean, riding halfway up the leg. Um, the rest of the fit's not so bad. But yeah, he looks like he's going um, to... He's going to have Matt Damon starring some commercials, and then six months later, that money's going to be gone. See, but you can pull off the loafers with no socks, but once you get past a certain age, bro, that's got to end. Like, that's 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 got to stop, so. and he's past that threshold at that point. Like, after 35, you're just done with that, right? It might even be a little bit lower than that, honestly. You think so? Yeah. Because oh, I know what's growing inside of that shoe. Like, I know. I, <laughs> I, I know there's a fungus that's among us in that shoe. Once you get past a certain age, younger, you can fight that stuff off. But yeah, just a little bit. So, so where does Bedlam hinge uh, between these two teams with you? Like, what, what are I? I know Levy's like super concerned, right? With with some Oklahoma State defensive stuff on this. Um, I I think that this is going to be a really close game. Honestly, I don't know if it's it'll be entertaining. It just won't be a good game. I I don't feel like. Yeah, it might be a little bit of like a rock fight, but shoot, I, I think we'd all a competitive game and some cold, windy weather in Norman will be fun. Uh, to me, where this ultimately, and I'll get to kind of the, some of the issues on both sides, but to me, this hinges on Spencer Sanders and his health. I, I think if he's right, if he's able to run at all, or if he's just able to look like the guy we saw in Bedlam last year or, or in the game against Notre Dame or, or just, you know, some of his better performances this season – that to me is a difference maker because you're talking about at that point, I know the stats between him and Dylan Gabriel line up, but in a, I've seen it. I was in Stillwater all last year. I've seen Dylan Gabriel in those spots, excuse me, Spencer Sanders in those spots. And I, I think if he's healthy and doing his thing and this offense is clicking, that really tips the scale. But on the whole, you're looking at an Oklahoma defense that has not stopped the run at all. I mean, West Virginia was another example against a mobile quarterback. And that was Neil Brown might have had his most brilliant master stroke, getting Garrett Green in there, and now he's he's looking like a lame duck uh, if he wasn't already, I guess. But uh, I, I think that's going to hurt him. But on the other side, Oklahoma State for the last month hasn't stopped the run either. For as good as that uh, that pass rush is in that defensive line, uh, their rush defense has fallen off a cliff. And, and so that's where you look at Eric Gray, who's had seven hundred yard games this season, went for career best two hundred and eleven at West Virginia in the loss. You'd really get him to have a big day. So I'm with you. I think it'll be close, but I, to me, a difference maker there. And it's a, it's totally conditional. I don't think any of us outside of maybe Mike Gundy, Spencer Sanders, and a slight few in Stillwater know. But if, if he's healthy and back toward himself, that, that to me feels like the edge in a game between a couple of teams with a lot of flaws. What a year to jump on the Sooner B, bro. What a year. You're, you're going to have some stories by the time that this season is over for sure because – You've been through the gamut so far covering this team, and uh, two, maybe three more to go for you, Eli. And I always appreciate the time with you jumping on with us here on the Blitz, man. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to do it. Awesome. That's Eli Letterman joining us here via the Oklahoma Ford Dealers hotline on the Blitz 1170. Yeah. Loafers with no socks. That is PJ Fleck to a T. Absolutely. What's the text that you send me? He looks like that he's going to what? Uh, like he's about yeah. to give a timeshare. Four hour timeshare presentation. Yeah. See, now that you've mentioned like the cutoff age for that, I'm slightly concerned that like Eli and Art aren't going to be able to pull off like loafers with socks with or loafers with shorts and no socks in like 10 years. And I'm, it's kind of my favorite summer look. Listen, you can't. I'm sorry, but you can't coach in Minnesota wearing this outfit. I'm going to retweet this. Okay. I I am no in no shape or fashion am I telling you that I am an expert in anything fashion-related. Because if you were to go to my closet right now, I maybe have, Matt, a total of five shirts in my entire closet that don't have a logo. That don't have a logo. That is preposterous for a 42-year-old male. It is. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know nothing about it. I I like shoes and I like hats. That doesn't even mean that I'm fashion forward on that. By far more on hats than I am on anything else. But he's... What is that like? He's wearing like a pair of joggers. Yeah, they're With like loafers a, and no socks, and he's got a sports coat. You can't wear that in coaching Minnesota. Does you that fall into the Capri category, bro? That is trying way too hard. And also, if you notice, she'll like, I bet you he wears a lot of Lululemon too. Is that a soul patch, or is that just his chin? Uh, no, that's his chin. Oh, he's got a butt chin. Cover that up with a soul patch. Then you can look like the lead singer of Disturbed. No, because you can't walk around with facial hair when you're dressed like that. Says yeah, who? He just, I, he, I just look at him and I... The first picture in this is someone that zoomed in on his feet and goes, yep, this pretty much sums up it all. <laughs> yeah, 1,000%. I would not listen to his timeshare speech at all. All right, it's 226. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more next year on the Blitz 1170. Uh, don't forget, Matt, that you can donate new or used coats. I've got a code, by the way, that I need to donate to Yale Cleaners. Both children and adults coats, all of those are needed. By the way, if you also need a coat, you can pick one up at First Baptist Tulsa, either downtown or at their caring center out south. But it's Trav's Coats for Kids happening again. Until December 31st, you can go to theblitztulsa.com slash coats for all the details. But my man John Rothrock out at Yale Cleaners has teamed up one more time with uh, Travis Meyer and Trav's Coats for Kids. That runs again until December 31st. We'll take a time out and come back with a uh, quick segment where we'll take a look around the happenings of today. That's next here on The Blitz.